sweat the technique. Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Lenny says, hey, Shane, cut the uh, cut the purse strings and go where the job takes you, exclamation point. Mm. Uh, the world is small due to Internet and life's too short to miss opportunities like that, exclamation point. Pondering it a little bit more during the break, I really hope that Shane isn't calling me for life advice because I am the last guy I would ask for life advice. I mean, Hopefully, look, I'll, Shane's not. I'll, I'll, so I graduated. So it's like 2014. I was graduating college. I met the guy here who runs the the national network because we went to the same college, and he was there visiting. And it was not easy telling my parents I was moving to a city and state I'd never been to. Eight years ago. And yeah. I was just like gone. It was like, hey, I'm moving to Houston in three months. And then I've never gone back. Like, that's not an easy conversation to have. But my parents were like, yeah, go for the job. See, that's the thing. It's like a good mother is going to give you the good advice, though. But like mother's advice is always good. Jeremy. Yeah. He said his mom doesn't want him to go. But maybe it's the right decision. Okay. That's maybe true. it's the right. Maybe what's the job? Like, is, is it dangerous? Are they gonna is it the is it the public fund that it's the Saudis at? Like mm. I don't know. Mm. Very little information. Uh, why is Blankers not here today? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six four six two four. Joel is auditioning to be an extra for It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Is that show still going? I don't think so. It's a funny show. I'm terrible at character names in shows. I never got into but it. But who? So. But you know the, the guy that worked out a lot. Like I could see Joel being like his stunt double. Mm. They don't look alike, but maybe like the same build kind of. Mm. It's a funny show. Uh, Poncho said, I heard Blankers was out buying post-4th of July fireworks and party favors and no. big discounts. Is this true? No, because Joel Blank's not a terrible person like you people who were throwing off fireworks last Hold night. Hold on, that's not what he's saying. That's not what Poncho suggested. Yeah, but if you buy the fireworks, what are you going to do with them? You're going you're gonna to use them next 4th of July. You're just getting them at a discount. Yeah, you get them at a severe discount the day. Or, well, oh, so it's like people who buy Christmas decorations yes. the day after yes. Christmas? Yeah, you, yes. Uh, yeah. Your wife ever do that? No, no. My my mother would, but not my wife. My wife did it once, and I was like, nope, don't ever do it again. Like I'm like, we're taking stuff down, and like now we have all these extra boxes. Like Just buy yeah. a full price next year. I like to believe that I'm a minimalist. My wife disagrees, but I, I, am, I, am, not, I am not one that likes stuff. Like I don't like stuff at all. Like, I, I, if it were up to me, we'd have no stuff. I hate stuff. <laughs> that's tough. That's, also, that's tough uh, two kids. Very difficult. On It's Always we Sunny in Philadelphia – uh, they had season sixteen, episode six, air last night. Oh, oh, really? So it's yes. still definitely going. Yes. Oh, they're they're still making real shows. They're there? still making like the season is coming out as I you did know, not as know that. Wow, I didn't know it was sixteen seasons deep. Sixteen's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah, it's like Law and Order territory. They are milking that cow, aren't they? I Maybe mean, we should watch it some point. I have seen the show. It's available on Hulu. The show's funny. It's I was a funny show. Of, I was thinking about doing a. Like a like a book report next week, where like I make everyone on the Killer Bees and all of our Twitchers specifically watch yeah. like a sports documentary since it's the All Star break. I'm down. I, I'm I've been watching the American Gladiators documentary. Is it good? I've been I haven't watched the Thirty for Thirty because Ron, who works at the yeah. Sports Map, spooked me off of it. He said it was like seven episodes. I'm like I'm not watching seven episodes of American Gladiator documentary. But Hulu did one. No, I'm sorry, Netflix did one. It's really good. Are you gonna watch the ten parter of uh, Jarrah? No. No. Uh, maybe. Actually, maybe. 
Are we'll they going to talk about his illegitimate children? I hope. During the 10 part documentary on Jerry Jones? I hope so. Well, like, you're not telling the story of Jerry Jones because apparently there's a couple of them. It depends on how much, like, production, like, how much producer does he have with this deal? Yeah. Like, yeah. if he sold his rights, like, how much production value does he carry? Does he have director's cuts, things like that? Can he fix it up in post? Like, I'm curious about that. All right. We've been stalling on this. A Texans training camp opens in three weeks. What's the storyline that you're most intrigued by entering training camp here in a few weeks? The most intriguing storyline to me is how long are they going to go on with the charade of a quarterback competition? Because the one thing that you can that teams, I think, do wrong sometimes is do the fake quarterback competition. Like, the fact that the Jacksonville Jaguars went to an offseason or Trevor Lawrence's first season and only gave him half the reps while giving the other half to Gardner Minshew was such a joke. Like, that makes no sense. They knew from the moment Trevor Lawrence was drafted, he was going to take the snaps week one against whoever they played. And the Texans know the same thing. Like, they know C.J. Stroud is going to be the quarterback the first week of the season versus the Baltimore Ravens, unless for some reason they're scared that Baltimore is just going to crush them. Yeah. So, like, what's the point of not just giving them all the snaps? And, like, I just don't think it's a good philosophy to be splitting these reps when it's not a real competition. Like, there's only – how many competitions are there this year in the NFL? There's probably one. Baker Mayfield versus Kyle Trask. Like, there's no other quarterback competition. Like, I mean, I guess Clayton Toon, is he going to push Colt McCoy? Yeah, I think he, eh, I hope, actually, I hope for Clayton Toon's sake, he does not, honestly. Yeah. Like, I don't think it'd be good for him to play immediately on a very, very bad football team. I think it could get a little bit David Carry for him. So I'm actually rooting for Toon not to be the starting quarterback there. Do you think there's any chance Gardner Minshew could be the starter in Indy? No. I mean, I, can Jim Ursay really allow that to happen? He's already been on the record a month and a half ago that Anthony Richardson was going to start. Yeah. Levis Tannehill? I don't think it's a competition. I don't think so either. It's just it's Tannehill's show. Like I think they'll have a real quarterback competition next year between Will Levis, Caleb Williams, and Malik Willis. Um, like they'll have like a real quarterback competition for at least like the first couple weeks. But like there's no other competitions. You're saying the Titans are gonna be the worst team in the NFL? I think they're gonna be one of the worst teams in the NFL. I don't think you're gonna come close. Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett. Oh, yeah. I guess that. I don't know. They feel like it feels like they've handed it to Sam Howell. I can't believe they're gonna run out Sam Howell. Could you believe if they ran out Jacoby Brissett? Jacoby Brissett was better statistically last year than Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I am so intrigued by before. the Commanders for for no good reason. Like you just mentioned their quarterback carousel there. Like there's no good reason for me to be intrigued by because by everything the Commanders. else they have is awesome. Yeah. Terry McLaurin, like uh, Dotson. You have both the running backs, Brian Robinson and Gibson. Yeah. You have superstars all over your defense. Like they have like legit talent on that team. I'm I'm very intrigued by what Eric Bieniemy looks like as a full time play caller again. Like, does that offense all of a sudden look kind of Kansas City? Like, they're obviously not going to have Mahomes. So could it be like Alex Smith's Kansas City Chiefs before Mahomes took over for Alex Smith? Like, I'm very intrigued to see what the commanders look like for literally no good reason. Um, that's a good one with the storyline about the uh, the quarterback because I, I, I agree. Like, I think that the Texans are actually higher on Davis Mills than, like, the population of the fan base is. I agree. On Davis Mills, I think they do see some things in Mills that actually fits that offense. I think that offense is actually good for Davis Mills. I think that offense is the best offense for Davis Mills. Because I think Davis Mills can be, like, a poor man's Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what I mean? Like, he's not the most talented quarterback, but I think that that offense could be lipstick on a pig for him. That said, you drafted C.J. Stroud number two. Like, you don't see rookie quarterbacks really waiting anymore before they before they play play and also like 
I think a big reason the Texans went this way was to build buzz back in this organization, to build buzz back into this franchise, to make the Texans brand kind of shine again. And I think they've done a really good job of doing that. And look, it's worked with me. I haven't been as high on the Houston Texans, quite frankly, since like the Gary Kubiak uh, Texans. I never bought into Bill O'Brien. Like I know that they won some division titles, Brian. I know that they had Deshaun Watson, who looked like he could be an MVP level player. I could never fully buy into the Texans because of, quite frankly, Bill O'Brien. I never took him seriously as a real contender or a team that could be a contender under Bill O'Brien. Now you have like a head coach that the city loves because he was a former player. You hope he can be like that defensive genius that came over from San Francisco. You're gonna have a fun new offense with like hoping that it's the Shanahan tree. You've got Stroud. You've got some pieces. It looks like the arrow for this organization is pointing up for the first time in a very, very long time. So I'm excited about the Houston Texans for the first time in a really, really long time. Yep. But if you roll out Davis Mills as QB one week one, you're going to lose fan interest a lot, a lot, if it's not C.J. Stroud as your starting quarterback. So I, I think it is a facade as well. And the other the other storyline I would just say I'm, I'm most intrigued by is it's it's kind of a collective group. But the health and just early success of the wide receiver group, because I think that's the most questions I have about their roster. You know, Nick Casario has traded up for Nico Collins, John Mechie, and Tank Dell. Yeah. They paid Robert Woods a pretty penny, and like that's that's your main core is those four guys. And I guess you have Noah Brown too. Like he could be a solid player. But like how healthy is Mechie? What does Nico Collins look like? Does it translate to anything? Because my guess is, like, when we get the suit servations, it's going to say, Nico Collins, great job. But, like, he seems like a training camp superhero. That was a Nico Collins. That was a uh, suit servation last year. Nico yeah, Collins made a great catch in the back of the end zone, like, and, leaping into the air with the, all his might. Some of the early stuff has been that again about Nico Collins. Like, but he might just be a training camp guy. Yeah. Like, doesn't actually translate. But that's the position group I'm most curious about on the roster. It's just, like, how they look collectively because they're unhealthy they haven't played together they're all learning cj stroud and they're and they're all guys that like nick casario has shown that he he thought that they were worth more than other draft capital right he went up and got all of them and it's like if you're gonna ding nick casario for one thing it's that if the wide receiver room is poor it's like dude you traded up for all of these guys and if they're not producing that is a real reflection of your evaluation so I think the wide receiver room is going to be like super telling for this team. And also, like CJ's not going to have any success if they all suck. I think the training camp is very important to a team, obviously. Uh, I think that it, you know, they grow a lot. For like outsider point of view, though, the things that I care about more than anything else when it comes to training camp is like depth chart news. Like, who's the backup running back? Who's the number two receiver? Things like that. I, I hate the tweets. Good football or football player makes a really good football play. Well, yeah, he should. He's the 1% of the world that's playing football. Yeah, Nico Collins should look good every now and then at training camp. Uh, Tank Dell should look good every now and then at training camp. I think that the most overrated training camp news we see is football player does a good football thing. Cool. Only, he should. The only time it's it's noticeable is when it's the opposite. Yeah, is, exactly. Is He looks bad. Will Levis looks awful yeah. so far in and Titans rookie mini. That that news is way more meaningful than the good yeah. stuff. It's like it's a good call. If it's like if someone's like uh CJ Stroud like looks lost, yeah. then it's uh-oh. Yeah, like he he uh-oh. can't he can't hold Davis Mills's jog. Okay, that that's significant. Like CJ Stroud making a good pass in camp. Okay, cool. He was drafted second. He should it's be almost, doing that. It's almost just like you want to get through training camp and just hear no bad news. Yeah. Like no he, bad it, news is good news. That's yeah, a great call. It, it's just like I don't want to hear Will Anderson getting 
stopped consistently by Laramie Tunsil. Yeah. Like, I, I want to hear him. I almost would rather be like, uh, Laramie Tunsil's getting dominated by Will Anderson. Like, that'd be great. Malik Collins just bulldozed Kenyon Green. Well, I don't care about that from Malik Collins' point of view. I care about that from a Kenyon Green point of view. Right, think, the bad news is significant. I think you might have just called your shot. I bet we get that. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to, to participate. I know. Yeah, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. What are what are the most entertaining, intriguing training camp uh, stories for you? And I got this climate that we're living in between national media and the city, the fan base of the Houston Texans. It's so different. It's so different. I think it's underrated and overrated from each point of view. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN ninety seven five and ESPN ninety two five. ESPN 975.com. Time to wake up. Hey, you are finally awake. You were trying to cross the border, right? Welcome back, Houston. It's the Killer Bees. Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Where is Blankers today? Joe George in his stead. 713-780-3776. Blankers is competing in the Southwest Regional Cornhole Competition. That seems to be up his alley, right? That's a Midwest thing? Yeah, but he, we would call it bags. Oh, I think he did call it cornhole. We talked about it one time. So maybe he's not good at it? I mean, I guess everyone says I'm in the wrong here. That it's actually called cornhole. When they show it on ESPN, it's the cornhole championships. Is so, it? Yeah, I guess I lose that argument. Someone said that he is uh, training to be a lifeguard at Typhoon Texas. Hmm. It's interesting. His psych had told him not to come in. Why is Blankers not here today? 713-780-3776. So ESPN put out their mock draft for 2024. Quite honestly, I do not care about a mock draft in 2024 on July 6, 2023. I'm more worried about the 2023 draft uh, than I am about the 2024 draft. But people have their, oh, well, who are the Texans taking? What are they doing with Cleveland's pick? Where is the Texans pick going to land? And the, the Houston Texans spot in this mock draft was number two. That Arizona was going to have the number two pick courtesy of the Houston Texans and that it would be Marvin Harrison Jr. They also had the Cardinals having the worst record in the NFL. So not only did they get Marvin Harrison Jr., but they get Caleb Williams, which would be an unbelievable duo for a couple of rookies, right? You have Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. That would and be terrifying. And trade Kyler Murray. For whatever you can get, right? So this is a nightmare scenario for the Texans. Let's be honest. If the Texans have the second worst record in the NFL next year, and their pick goes to Arizona, that's a nightmare scenario, which I don't care what ESPN thinks. Like, I don't care what ESPN projects the Houston Texans to do. But what I, and again, I don't care about mock drafts 2024 on July 6th. But what I do find fascinating, and I think that it's a a trend that we've seen from both sides of this conversation really ever since draft night 2023. National media thinks the Texans are going to be lousy. They think the Texans are going to stink. This mock draft has them having the second worst record in the NFL. I saw the pro football focus, like, you know, their unit power rankings. Where is the Texans defensive line? Where is their offensive line? Where is their receivers? Where is their quarterback? Blah, 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 blah. And they're usually bottom quarter, bottom third of the NFL. They don't think very highly of the Houston Texans. National media does not think highly of the Houston Texans when it comes to a roster in 2023, when it comes to a win-loss record in 2023. Flip the switch. Take a, take the pulse of and take the temperature 
of the Houston Texans fan base. It's the exact opposite. It's, oh, well, this team's uh, bullish on the future. Bullish this team with a bad schedule. It can get to seven or eight wins. They can surprise everybody. And, like, we, it's the old adage, right, Joe, where we always hear people say that the truth comes somewhere in the middle. That's what I think of the Houston Texans, and I think Vegas is the litmus test of somewhere in the middle. I don't think the Texans are going to have the second-worst record in the NFL. I don't think that they're going to flirt with a 500 record, even though they have one of the worst schedules in the NFL. I think the Vegas litmus test is the truth is going to fall somewhere in the middle. This is going to be a team that wins somewhere between five to seven games. Yeah, I think that's most realistically where it's going to be, and I just think the national media, just they would most of them would bet the under. Like, they don't believe that they're going to win. And, of course, the fan base is always going to be hard. But it's not just the fans. Like, the local media, I would say, in general, believes the Texans are going to be better and closer to eight wins. Like, I think most people would believe that, you know, maybe it's just the narrative they want to spin, but that the Texans will have a very comparable record to the Cleveland Browns this year. And that trading away your pick isn't really going to have, like, that negative effect on your franchise that you might have the 10th pick and the Browns pick might be the 12th pick. And, like, you're going to be okay. You're going to Will Anderson, still have the 12th pick in the draft, and, like, it's all going to be fine and dandy, no big deal. Yeah, this is, would be this would be a nightmare. I, I mean, it'll be – people will just – they'll be regret. You know, and, like, and, and it doesn't mean that the trade's always going to be terrible. Like, the Deshaun Watson trade is not terrible, right? But, like, like the, the first Deshaun Watson trade, trading up for Watson. But you gave up a very good pick to do that because Watson got hurt. The Laramie Tunzel trade, you've signed him to two massive contracts, but you still had the third pick in the draft just, what, two years ago, yeah. and you could have a totally different quarterback situation if you had that pick. It still, I think, was a solid trade for Tunzel in the end. Same with the Watson. This trade can be the same. Yeah, you might lose out on Marvin Harrison, but that is the nightmare. Well, I think that's a bad trade if that's the case. If you if Specifically that, for Harrison? Or Williams. Yeah, because, I mean, even if you're not going to draft Caleb Williams, you could have been in a position like what the Bears were, yeah. where, like, you like C.J. Stroud, you believe in C.J. Stroud, but you had the first pick, and you could have traded back to the 10th pick like the Bears did yeah. and, and got a King's ransom for that. Look, I don't, and I, this isn't – I don't want to have the trade conversation again because we've we've beaten that dead horse. Yeah. We've, we've talked that out. And quite frankly, that's not a trade that you can grade until five years. Like these rookies are on a four year contract. First rounders, you have the option of picking up a fifth year. This trade's going to play out over the next five seasons, whether it's good or not. Now, you can have your opinions on July 6th, on draft night, after week four of the NFL season. But the observation that I have here is that you have two polar opposites when it comes to the viewpoint of the Houston Texans. The national media still thinks they're going to be very bad and one of the worst three teams in the NFL where a lot of the Houston Texans fans think that they're they're going to be a team that can win seven or eight games, that they're going to be picking in the teens. Because I, tw- I quote tweeted this. I sent a picture and I, I tweeted this because, look, Arizona via Houston, they're taking Marvin Harrison Jr. at number two. Whatever players are relevant here, all this stuff, this is more of what the national media thinks of the Texans. I said ESPN's latest 2000. 24 mock draft presents a nightmare scenario. Just a few of the comments here. Um, silly. Texans pick will be between 13 and 17. Okay, that's completely opposite end of the spectrum as number two in the NFL draft. Second worst record, says Uncle Steve. Barring any major injuries, I don't see them being anywhere near that bad. There's just a couple of the, the comments mentioned here. So, like, the fan base thinks this team's going to be fighting with mediocrity. 
the national media thinks that they're going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL. And what I think is true here is the national media is underrating the Texans slightly and the Houston Texans fan base is overrating the Texans slightly. A hundred percent. Like that I I 1000% agree with because it's just what we do. Like you always overrate, like I think internally. I mean, I bet you there's people in the Arizona media that think that like this mock draft's a joke. Like they're thinking, oh, we're going to get the second pick from the Texans but the Arizona Cardinals are not going to be the worst team in the NFL. It's just what you do. But I think it is somewhere in the middle, most likely. I, I've been really struggling with like where I want to pinpoint the Texans. The schedule is super soft. It's so soft. But here's the other thing. like The Texans roster is very young. It is very difficult in the NFL to win with a young roster. Yeah, and a rookie quarterback. A like a, a rookie, rookie quarter- coach. Yeah. I mean, I mean, look, there's still a scenario out there, and this is my one of my least favorite things for the Texans this year to where like I, I would probably view them more negatively than I do right now, is at least in theory you have D'Amico calling plays on defense and a first-time player caller on offense, but D'Amico has not committed to that. I do not like the idea of the Houston Texans going into the 2023 season with a first-time play caller on offense and a first-time play caller on defense and a head coach who's never done the job before. There's so much inexperience and your coaching staff, if that's the path you take. And while there are guys like Bill Lazor who are on the staff who, like, I think is, like, a joke, to be honest. (laughs) Like, I know Jay Cutler had probably his best year ever with him. But, like, in general, like, he's been a below-average OC and coach in the NFL. And, yeah, maybe he can help. But that's just so much inexperience to overcome with also a very young roster. Like, this, them winning a lot of games is going to be challenging. I mean, we talk about winning six games. That's a 100% increase in wins. That's an incredible accomplishment. Yeah. And I, I know there are teams that, like, yes, the likelihood is that one of these teams that had a top five pick originally will win 10 games this year and make the playoffs. I just don't think that team is the Texans. And I think there are a lot of fans that do believe that. I think they could get close. But like, I think six games is close. Six games, 100% improvement, I think, is a victory for the Texans. I, I would take that right now. And the problem is you don't have your first. I am bullish of the direction of the Texans. I think highly of D'Amico Ryans. I think highly of the players they took in this draft. I think C.J. Stroud's going to be really good, and the fact that he was at that party the other day fills me way feels way better about his stardom. I think that gives him a way better chance of being a star, that he was at a party with all these stars. Uh, you are the company you keep, am I right? I think Will Anderson's going to be very, very good as well. I am bullish on the direction of the Houston Texans. I believe I'm reasonable that six wins would be a nice starting point for D'Amico Ryans in his first year. C.J. Stroud in his first year, a young roster for the first time under D'Amico Ryans. The caveat, though, with that is they're in the back of your head. Boy, six wins. I sure would like to have that first-round pick. But I think the national media is over is underrating the Texans. I think the local fan base is overrating the Texans. 713-780-ESPN. Agree or disagree or tell us where Blankers is at today. 713-780-3776. Maybe you think my take needs to land on Bad Take Boulevard. Well, that's good because you know what's next? Who made the list this week of Bad Take Boulevard? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Now with more nougat. You and Lance didn't f- for a year. That's just because he dabbed all the time. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. 
Who made the list this week of Bad Take Boulevard? I'm glad Mapes is here today, too, because one of them's his host. But I, I don't know the full context of this, so I'm glad you're here to kind of clear this one up. I don't think Mapes has ever made Bad Take Boulevard, have you? No, probably not. Probably not. Look at that confidence. I doubt it. We're going to have to do something about that. Well, you'd have to listen to the bullpen. It's probably well, you your get best takes chance. on Paul's show. Yeah. Yeah. But normally I'm the voice of reason in that show. <laughs> <laughs> so everything you say feels like it's never a bad take. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm reining in the, uh, you know, the host of that. Show. I think yeah. I think Sean just echoed every producer's philosophy on how they handle a show. I think every producer says that about their host. That I'm here to rein them in. That I'm the voice of well, reason especially when it a, comes to the host of the... Because I think Joe thinks that about the Killer I, Bees. Well, I on don't. a one-person <laughs> show, on a one... Or, like, he's the sole host. There's no one to push back on him. And That's true. Some, a lot of times, he needs to be pushed back on a little. I feel like I'm sometimes the voice of unreason. That's a good point. <laughs> I think you are, too. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, like, so, like... I think I live on Bad Take Boulevard. That's true. You I do. just, I think you guys are very kind. That's why we hired you. How like, little you put me on there. He's going to really help out our one thirty segment on Thursdays. <laughs> um, I saw a very, very bad Shohei Otani a trade proposal My today. Takes aren't this bad. That that lands. I mean, this is what happens whenever you give uh, Leatherheads baseball ideas. This trade proposal for Shohei Otani, and Shohei Otani is my favorite non-Astro. I love Shohei Otani. I think he is a once in a. Uh, more than a lifetime, honestly. I think he's the, he might be the greatest baseball player of all time if we want to have that conversation. But Shohei Otani is expiring contract. This bad Shohei Otani trade proposal. I would trade Jeremy Pena, J.P. France, Pedro Leone, Corey Lee, another prospect, maybe two, for three months of Shohei Otani. You made the list! You're not trading all of that for three months of one player. If stars were so important in Major League Baseball, how come the Angels haven't done anything with Shohei Otani? How come they haven't done anything with Mike Trout? I just want to make this clear. Uh, when Jeremy said I, he was reading a person's tweet. Oh, yeah. I don't me. want I don't want you to have to take any. No, this is a, this is a leatherhead. Yeah, yeah I just, is... I'm just making sure that like we're all... Yeah, look, that's a terrible trade. Awful. Like, that's one of those that, like, on the old station I was on, I would get. Why don't we trade Chaz McCormick for Shohei Otani straight up? It's a good idea. Okay. If but. they'll do it, I would do it. You yeah, gotta make look. the call. Leave. Yeah, you gotta, you're you're not no. doing your job if yeah, you're not offering no. that. Make them say no. Yeah. Hey, you guys want the, the, the scraps of Force Whitley for <laughs> Shohei Otani? <laughs> the Shohei Otani was never the number one prospect in all of baseball. Mm-hmm. Force Whitley was. Would you hear, let, let, like, ask yourself this question. Because Jeremy Pena, second year. You still have four and a half years, or four and three months. Four years and three months of Jeremy Pena. Would you rather have four years and three months of Jeremy Pena, or would you rather have three months of Shohei Otani? Like, just straight up. Because this is this this trade proposal, not mine. This is Leatherhead. Pena, France, Leon, Lee, two other prospects for Shohei, which is far too much. Just take one piece. Just take the top piece of this of this offer. Jeremy Pena. Would you rather have Jer- Jeremy Pena for four years, three months, or would you rather have Shohei Otani for three months? I would rather have Shohei Otani. Wow, okay. My answer is different. I'd rather have Pena for we've, four years, we, three we've months. We've had this conversation with Hunter Brown. Like, my answer is Hunter Brown. My answer is Kyle Tucker. Would you rather have, if you could guarantee an extension for Otani, like finally Jim Crane breaks the bank, would you rather have potentially Otani for three months or have Kyle Tucker for two years? Like, some people on the Twitch chat are going to ask that right now. They're going to say... Otani, but like Pena, I I would trade Pena if it got me Otani for three months. Not me, not me. 
but all no, of I this. like Mauricio Dubon, so. Pena, France, Leon Lee, another prospect or two for Streamont to show Hey Otani. Man, don't let Leatherheads have, have baseball opinions. Do you, you have anything only, on Bad Take Boulevard? The only thing that like warps, like, I, I'm fascinated what Otani's going to cost. Because I don't think that's enough. I don't have the exact, I don't have the trade in front of me, so I'm not going to pretend like I do. But I, what I do know for a fact is that everything that Chandler Rome reported that the Astros were going to send to the Washington Nationals for Bryce Harper, none of those prospects are in the big leagues. But that also, but none of them were like highly touted when the Astros made that trade. But or that's my, would have made but that that's trade my as well. point. It's like the Astros like were giving up nothing, and they should have got Bryce Harper, but like they backed out last. The Nationals backed out last minute. Like I, I don't really know what Otani is going to cost, but I don't think the Astros will have the firepower for. No, I don't. I don't think they'll have the firepower for. Or I think that they do have the firepower. I don't think they'd be willing to trade it because I think it would be Hunter Brown and, and Jeremy Pena. I think that's the trade offer. If oh, I'm the Angels yeah. and I'm trading Shohei, I'm asking for Hunter Brown and Jeremy Pena, and that is what I would need. I don't really want Gilbert to be honest. If you're the Angels, yeah, I would want Gilbert. I just like I, I would ask for the other stuff first. Me too. Like it's like yeah, Gilbert too. would be like third on my list. Yeah, me too. Do you like, have anything on? Oh, go ahead. Um. It, the the Otani conversation is going to be fast. Yeah, what he actually gets traded for. Um, no, I just have what's on here. What's Paul? What here Paul was do? here was Paul Galan. I missed I don't, this one. I did. This is why we need Sean Babes. I'm glad that he's here today. I heard Sean that that somebody told me this that Paul was uh, was poo pooing perfect games. I th- I think he poo pooed uh, Domingo Herman's okay uh, perfect game. He was. Really, and I also was helping poo-poo this. Okay. We were both poo-pooing no-hitters. Okay. Okay, that's a little bit different. Perfect game. It was specific. Like, he was calling him Domingo German. He was bringing up the fact that he's been suspended not only for domestic violence, but also has been suspended for uh, sticky sticky stuff. stuff. Sticky stuff. You never know if he's cheating or beating his wife. You never know. Yeah, exactly. You never know. Just look up Domingo Herman suspended. More than one thing has popped up. Yeah. Uh, That's more... He was more poo-pooing Domingo Herman. That was a a bit different than I was explained. Because I thought... uh, The way that I understood it, by the way it was told to me, was that Paul was poo-pooing the the, the feat of a perfect game that has been done just 24 times in Major League Baseball history. I mean, maybe... How could you poo-poo a perfect game maybe he did slightly poo poo like just in the paul gallant exaggeration uh okay. baseball paul doesn't respect the perfect game yeah, baseball paul like, oh, lands oh, on the oh, list then yeah, if baseball paul the does not respect a perfect game hey, baseball paul lands on the list of bad take boulevard you have to pay your dues to a perfect game even if it's to a wife beater and somebody who's been suspended for sticky stuff he's one of 24 in major league baseball history uh, Sean, you, you, you got to appreciate that Sean, your impersonation of Paul there does not belong on Bad Take <laughs> Boulevard. Uh, it's just something about the producers. Or only the producers of like Paul's show can get it right. Like you and Josh Beard do the best Paul impersonation. I think I'm doing an impersonation of Josh Beard's impersonation. Oh. <laughs> I think that's why. <laughs> so I'm just trying to do Josh Beard. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, uh, I love this next one. This is one of my favorite stories of like college sports. It's right now. fascinating. So San Diego State. Sends a letter to the Mountain West Conference saying we're leaving or we might be leaving, but they officially left. And then the Pac-12 didn't want them or the Big 12, I guess. But it was reported to be the Pac-12. I don't think right? any of them wanted. It. Yeah, Pac-12 was more. In it was like the they mix. might be joining the big the Pac-12 because San Diego State and SMU have been two teams that like the Pac-12 has like vetted. It makes sense for the Pac-12 to add those two teams, <laughs> but San Diego State. They didn't have a home. 
So they, they went crawling back to mommy and daddy of the Mountain Western Conference and said, hey, we're coming back. And they said no. And they're still going to make them pay their 13, was it $13.5 million exit fee. Yeah. And I saw somewhere they could force them to pay a re-entry fee. <laughs> like, this could cost San Diego State like $25 million. This is They're awesome. going to be independent. Somebody will pick them up. It's going to cost them money, but somebody—I mean, the American would would gladly take San Diego State. the The WAC's no longer around, right? I think they brought the WAC back. Actually, somebody would pick them up, but it's going to cost them a lot of money. This was—I think—what San Diego State was trying to do here is they—they they didn't understand the risk. I didn't think. I think they were blindsided by the risk of, oh, what if the Mountain West Conference calls our bluff? They force us to pay the exit fee, and then they kick us out of the league in the process. What if they take this letter, the formal letter that they're going to intend to resign, what if they take it seriously? They never really took the risk for real. They used this as a way to try to, like, I think, bluff towards the power conference, the Big 12, the Pac-12, of like, hey, we're free. Come get us before the other conference does. And they didn't understand that, well, what if they don't, those two? And then what if the Mount West Conference plays poker with us? They call our bluff and they're like, ah, we're good. We don't need the Aztecs in the Mount West Conference anymore. I will say, I think I think there was another shoot drop here that didn't. Like, I think there was an invite they thought was coming. I don't think so. I think that they were trying to put the feet of the Pac-12 and the Big 12 to the fire and force them to a decision. Because, like, I don't think we're done with realignment and expansion. Like, I think it's going to happen next summer. We're going to see another big move, like some moving pieces. Yeah. And I thought maybe San Diego State thought those pieces were going to move this year. Because I really, I wonder, I really wonder if, if Dion's cooking something in Colorado. There's a lot of Big 12 rumors that, like, they might bail on the Pac-12. And like they might try to come back to the Big Twelve, and I wonder like if the Pac Twelve is going to disband. That's all San Diego State needed, though, is the one of the yeah. Pac Twelve schools to leave, and then that theoretically makes uh, that opens a spot and makes the Pac Twelve more desperate to where they're like, well, we need to stay in Southern California, which is it's San Diego, not L A. Because like I don't but, really know, like I don't know where your philosophy is, Jeremy, like where we're heading with this. Yeah, like, I think eventually one of these conferences is going to cease to exist. Between the ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big 12. That, like, as is formatted right now will go away. The ACC, they've all got that weird TV contract that they all want to get out of. I personally think that's the conference that eventually disbands. Mm -hmm. That as soon as they can find a way out of their TV contract, and it's been well reported that every school's lawyers and attorneys are trying to find their way out of this TV deal. Like, Florida State's gone, Miami's gone, Clemson's gone, Duke and North Carolina are gone, Virginia's... Like, they're going to blow that thing up, and I think you're going to see that whole conference end up scattered between the Pac-12 and the Big 12. But I used to think the Pac-12 and the Big 12 were just going to merge. I think that it's going to be the Pac... I think that the Pac-12 is in serious danger. Like, this whole TV deal, dragged out, dragged out. Once I think that, you know, if they give the like the, the league members the official number of what it is, I think you might see a couple of teams bolt immediately. Yeah, I talked to Brett Yormark uh, for a Kooks Corner podcast last week that is yet to air. Look for it. Um, and, like, I kind of repurposed the question because I think he's tired of, are you expanding? I said, you know, hey, it's really cool right now that you have three different, you know, you have three different time zones in your league. And he goes, it's my goal to make it four. Like, just went there. So I think that he, I think the Big 12 is interested. I think the Big 10 are in, is interested in the right schools. I think the SEC is not done. I don't disagree with you at all. Um, I think I, the, I think the Pac-12 is the, the most dangerous. 
they already kind of have it. Like maybe not a. They, they don't have the division, right? Because they have UCLA, I they think, have USC. I think, I think they want Oregon and they want. I like, think if they, State, but if they like wanted, if they wanted them though, they could have them right now. So like the fact that they haven't done it yet is curious. Yeah, because Oregon does feel like an SEC school. Like I really feel like we could wake up one day and Oregon, Oregon and the SEC, Oregon, Clemson, and like Florida State. I don't the SEC. I don't see. I don't see the SEC like trekking. Across they, the yeah. country, I, I think the Clemson. SEC is will make more geographic sense that would, than uh, yeah. the other conference. Like, I, like Florida State could be an option, Clemson yeah. could be an option. I Oregon's think, I think North Carolina one. could be an option for the SEC at Dude, some point down I'm, the road. If I'm the Big Twelve and the ACC falls apart, I'm doing everything in my power to say, "Hey, Duke and North Carolina, come on in." Try and let's create conference. the greatest basketball conference, which they already are. Which they already, they really already are. But like, could you imagine like like Houston, Gonzaga? Because I still think that is going to eventually shake out. I don't know if they'll add football. I know there's been rumors of UConn, but like, what if we woke up one day and it was like Houston, Baylor, UConn, North Carolina, Duke, Kansas? Yeah, that would be sick. It would be. I mean, and your mark has talked about how he thinks that you know college basketball is an untapped resource. I saw something the other day too, where like college basketball has been outrating the NBA. So, like, maybe he's right. Uh, Cole Thompson on our Twitch, they were, they, San Diego State, were going to go to the Pac-12 and meteorites drug their feet. I think San Diego State would tell you that. Pac-12 wasn't ready. Pac-12 hadn't been ready. They hadn't been ready for a long time. I don't know what was going to change. 713-780-3776. Why is Blankers gone today? All right, the Astros are a little bit past the halfway point of the season, the All-Star break. Not your real first half, but what are your Astro first half season awards? Who who is your MVP? Who is your Cy Young? Who is your gold glove team winner? You only pick one. Who's been your best defender? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5.com. Oh, no. Why are the brakes out? Because I cut the brakes! Wild card, bitches! Yeah! All teams covered. No stalking points necessary. You're back with the Killer Bees on 97.5 and 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. 9780 as to why Blankers is not here today. He's having his back tattoo of Dusty's face filled in. Does Blankers strike you as a tattoo guy? Um, Wouldn't shock me. I don't know if Joel has any tattoos. I don't, I don't think, think so. he does. I don't think he does. 4624, do I have tattoos? Yeah. Oh, yeah, several. Like, actually? There's that of you. Oh, same. No, I don't have any. Oh, I have three. Yeah? Yeah. I have both shoulders have a, and one of my chest. You have a tram stamp? <laughs> Both shoulders and one my What do you have? I have a four-leaf clover. Because you're Irish? Yep. I have a Chicago flag. and Because you're from Chicago? <laughs> That's why he's a White Sox fan. Just a big, or just a big fan of the city. Are we, are just we, a big fan of the flag. He's a flag yeah. guy. Are, are we... Uh, <laughs> Pretty nice. It's a, it's a good-looking flag. I'm going to tell a story here for the first time. Your third tattoo story? I got drunk, and I got my fraternity letters tattooed on my chest. And I want to get rid of them. You have your sorority letters tattooed on your... Oh, turn it. Okay. I got... got, Alpha Kappa. I got intoxicated and made a mistake. Yeah? I'm not going to lie. What what did the damage? I don't know. Uh, I think it was... um, What was it called? Sailor Jerry? (laughs) (laughs) Do you regret it every time you see it? No, no. I just want to get it covered up, and it's 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 big enough to where it's going to cost me way too much money to get it covered up. Oh, man. So it's like... I'm kind of stuck with it right now. 
So drink responsibly. I'm just picturing I'm just picturing <laughs> giant Greek letters on your chest, like one on one. Show us right now. Show the Twitchers. They no, would enjoy I'm not that. Doing that. Why not? The Twitchers no, I don't like them. Twitchers would be very happy. You don't like them. Some of the Twitchers are fighting. You don't like them. I like 99 percent of the Twitchers. Okay. Four six two four. Joe got uh, or Joel got a new job as the neighborhood dog walker. I could see that. One three five two. He's training for his dodgeball champions league. Hmm. I don't know if he's the athlete to be in a Champions League. Why is Blanker's not here? Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. All right, first half Astro Awards. We argued this yesterday. Who is your MVP for the Houston Astros in the first half of the season? I, I'm a. I don't back down from my takes, even <laughs> if they belong on Bad Take Boulevard. So I'm gonna say Mauricio Dubon. Yeah. Like I just don't know where this team's at without him. Like he just. I know he he hasn't been statistically your most productive guy. Like, I'm not trying to argue that he has not been better than Kyle Tucker. He has not been better than Jordan Alvarez. But I just think, like, when you actually terms, like, the terms of, of valuable, like, what he's done in the absence of Jose Altuve and Jeremy Pena when he's been out and other guys, I don't think you can ignore. Yeah, I can't go Dubon, uh, quite honestly, uh, because he's not as good as Jordan Alvarez. He's not as good as Framber Valdez. He's not as good as Kyle Tucker. Um those guys have been – they've also been better. Like, I know Dubon has been incredibly versatile. He's been able to weather the storm while Jose Altuve was out and did it admirably. Way better than any of us expected. He filled in for Jeremy Pena whenever he slipped on his neck wrong and, and couldn't play baseball for about a week. Uh, he's filled in everywhere, and he's been he's been somebody – like, if you didn't have Mauricio Dubon, I think that the Astros would be in a, in, a, in a more difficult spot than they are now. But also the Jordan Alvarez injury shows us how valuable Jordan Alvarez is. Uh, Fromber Valdez has been one of the best pitchers in the entire American League. I just can't. Dubon's been incredibly valuable, but he is not the most valuable player on this team for me. Uh, I'll probably go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jordan because I think MVP should be a hitter's award. It's pitchers just so already hard because like, he's missed a chunk of time. Yeah, but like, he, we would like we would ding him for that, like in the real award. Even with that chunk of time that he's been missing. He still had he still held the RBI league until like two games two games ago, like he, it's it's incredible. Like he's been gone for however long it's been, and yeah. he just got passed in, in RBIs. His numbers are far better than anybody else's. Like as long as Jordan Alvarez is on this team, Jordan Alvarez is the most valuable player, and I, I say Always. that with a high high respect. Well, we talk, for Jose Altuve. I mean, look how hard it's been for them to get to what now thirteen and eleven. Without him, thirteen and eleven. It's been challenging. And it's taken a run like, here. It's yeah. taking a huge. It's taken a huge run here. Yeah, they've walked. They've won what five of their last six. Yeah. So like that's not been easy. Five of six. They they took three of four from the Rangers. They swept the yeah. Rockies five of six. So their last five of six has put them at to thirteen and eleven. So they were below five hundred then before this last series. Yeah. Last two series. Like it's been extremely daunting, and it's been we've talked so much time while Alvarez has been out about how bad the offense has been, because like he he just makes up for so many things. Like he just every like he's been so clutch this season. Obviously, like they're giving away the bobblehead tonight from the walk off last year versus the Mariners against the Mariners, which is great. Um, <laughs> but like he's he's the most clutch player in baseball. I really do honestly believe that. Yeah, like how many of the Astros runs that he's involved in shows you the value that Jordan yeah. Alvarez. Like has. I would be a terrible MVP voter. <laughs> I think so. I, I have no problem not, like thirty forty five agrees with you as far as pure consistency. Dubon has got to be the MVP at this point in the season. I have no problems with Dubon being in this conversation. He's just nowhere near the player that Jordan Alvarez is. Yeah, like if Jordan Alvarez, I, Mr. Like, you, you, I think you take it like how most people take the, those awards. Mm-hmm. I try to like look at them as more like actually like I think the people that tried to to uh, go anti Jokic for MVP 
because he had failed in the playoffs are dummies. Like, it's like, that's not what the award is. Like, who was the most valuable player? Right. Like, and he did, and he replaced the second best player on the team and the best Astro of all time in a way that, like, very few people ever could. Yep. And, like, that's why, to me, he's that guy. Cy Young, I think, is an easy one, right? Oh, come on, Fromber. Fromber, Fromber, he, I, I don't think anybody's going to vote against Fromber. You might be able to make a case for Ryan Presley, the way he's been pitching lately. Not really. I'm trying to make this an interesting conversation. It's Fromber about If you, if, if Presley, like, if we did this, like, as of, like, the actual halfway point, his struggles were closer to that than True. they have been. So, like, I mean, Fromber has, he's had, what, three bad starts? And two of them are not his fault. Yeah. I because mean, Fromber Valdez only pitches great 90% of the time when he's in his blue jerseys. I mean, Fromber's probably still top three to win the American League Cy Young in terms of vote in um, Vegas. Wasn't it like last week we talked about yeah. how he was the betting favorite? He, he was the betting favorite. Like, if he's, the, if he's top I bet three, he still is. He'd probably be. If he's the betting favorite to be the American League Cy Young, he's your Cy Young. Rookie of the Year is an interesting conversation because at the start of the season, we would be saying, well, Hunter Brown's going to run away with this. And Hunter Brown's been pretty good. He hasn't been perfect. He's had a couple of rocky starts. But J.P. France has better has a better ERA, and Yiner Diaz has been producing at a pretty good level now that he's had 21 starts of 24 games while Jordan Alvarez has been out. Who are you going with Rookie of the Year? This is so hard because I think they have three candidates. Diaz is not playing enough. Yeah. So he could be the answer, but he's, he's not just because he's just not playing enough because Dusty won't play him. <laughs> he's been playing um, last month. Well, uh, the three months. Before that's a good um, point. I think I still go Hunter Brown because at his absolute peak, he's been dominant this season, and JP France has just been really solid and consistent. Yeah. So I think the answer is Hunter Brown, but I think there's a real argument that like first half rookie of the year on this team could be JP France. I believe that award should go to the resume because I think there's a difference between resume and then like the talent. Like, Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback resume of all time. Is Tom Brady the greatest quarterback talent of all time? I think you got some arguments there. J.P. France's resume is better than Hunter Brown's resume. If you take the talent out of it, J.P. France is a 326 ERA. Brown's at 376. J.P. France has four wins and 11 starts. Brown has six wins and 16 starts. The whip for J.P. France is better than Hunter Brown's whip. Now, where you're going to to win over points is that Hunter Brown is more dominant, like he has more strikeouts than J.P. France with a you know strikeout percentage or strikeout per inning pitch. Like Fran- Brown's at 103 in 91 innings. Brown's one of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball, quite frankly. Whereas J.P. France is not a strikeout per inning guy. He's got 48 and 66. But France with a better ERA, France with a better WHIP. I think J.P. France has a better resume than Hunter Brown right now. Now, Hunter Brown long-term is a far better talent than J.P. France. Of course. But this point of the season, I think France's numbers are better than Hunter Brown's. He's my rookie of the year. Uh, Waka Flocka Bus says Corey Jolks. Corey Jolks is a nice outside-the-box one there. I mean, he's so old that he almost forgets a rookie. I mean, J.P. France is 28. I know. J.P. France is a 28-year-old rookie. That's younger than Jolks, isn't it? Uh, Yeah, it's got to be. Jolks Jolks is 26. 26. Yeah. Yeah, so 27. Jokes is not that. a jokes is not a bad vote. Yeah, Seven, jokes has got seven thirty one OPS. I probably put him third. Are you picking jokes or or Yiner? I right now I go jokes. You go offensive Dusty rookie. Dusty didn't play him enough, so jokes, jokes has seventy more plate appearances than uh, yeah. than Yiner. So jokes wins because of Dusty, but Yiner has four more homers. Mm. He's got a seven ninety seven OPS. Jokes is seven thirty one OPS. My answer is jokes. I don't think I can argue with you there. 
Who is your rookie of the year? I think that's the best conversation here. Or MVP maybe too. 713-780-ESPN. HRP listener line. 713-780-3776. We'll get your award winners also. What's more important for the Astros as we approach the trade deadline in less than a month? Is it health or is it a trade? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. The Spirit of Radio. (laughs) 